Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 129, uh, recording this on Thursday, the 19th of February, 2015. I'm Steve Litchfield with me, Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. And uh, we did have a, a listener's question at the end of the last podcast, Rafe, which we promised uh, the uh, uh, Steve Norris Tari that we will get to in this podcast. But first, we do have a few rather uh, more pressing matters to discuss, not least the fact that Windows 10 technical preview for phones is now out, Rafe. And uh, I've got it on my the Lumia 635. I gather you've managed to get a 635 with it as well. Yes, that's right. I mean, I guess this is a pretty big deal. It's the next version of Windows Phone, whether it's called Windows Phone or not, kind of remains to be seen. Probably not. Uh, but if we just call it Windows 10 for phones for the sake of clarity here, yeah. uh, obviously it's a big step up to the platform. It's a lot I think it's fair to say it's continuing the journey of Windows 8 and 8.1 in terms of getting closer and more aligned to desktop windows and kind of one of the reasons for that name changes the idea of one windows. It's probably worth saying right at the outset though that this is a very early preview and it's called kind of a technical preview for a reason. There were all kinds of warnings over it, far more I think than we've seen in things like the developer previews which have just basically been early access to get around some of the things like uh, the operator certification problems. This this is a true technical preview in the full sense of the word that it's unfinished. There's sort of quite a lot of rough edges. There's e- even in the known issue, look, there's quite a bit. But the idea here is, as with the Windows 10 Insider program, is for Microsoft to gather feedback from uh, a wider audience. And so if you are using it, one of the things that's a yeah. great opportunity to kind of contribute back to it. <laughs> I think it's fair to say there's quite a little bit to uh, talk about and to uh, feedback to Microsoft even at this point in time. Yeah. Um, available on a limited set of devices. So it's kind of the 630 and 35 and related devices. Um, then also on the 830 and the 730, but not the 735. So there are some peculiarities on it, and I wasn't actually able to get it running on my 830, so it's not on every single uh, device variant either. There's a reason it's on these small devices, kind of the technical reason to do with partition stitching, as, as explained by Microsoft, but it's also, I think, uh, emblematic of the fact it's an early preview as well. But in terms of actually getting it, it was all very easy. You just had to download the Windows Insider app from the store, sign in and then get it through the usual uh, phone update mechanism. So in that sense, it was pretty smooth, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you still have to allow an hour while the, the cogs spin on the screen, but it does work. Um, I did compile a list, Ray, for preparation for this podcast. I started making notes for you um, for the podcast. Uh, if you look at the story on the site at the moment, trying out Windows 10 10 preview, you'll find that my notes for you grow into an entire feature, <laughs> basically a listing uh, things that are in Windows 10 and things that aren't. Yet, and obviously, I, I, I criticised them earlier in the week. Um, but before we go into the list of what isn't isn't in there, Rafe, I, I did make the point. I think personally that this they've released it too early. In other words, they've they've kind of generated uh, an, an awareness in the general public that this is the first version of Windows 10. And okay, yes, it's kind of beta-ish, and there are a few things missing, but give it a whirl. Well, in actual fact, you're it is a very very early thing. It's for developers. It's for absolute enthusiasts who can sacrifice the device knowing that they can't use it as a daily d- driver um, with all sorts of mis- things missing, not least Cortana. And I think they should have um, 
either called an alpha and emphasize what an alpha is, or better still, just kept this to a much smaller group of semi-insiders and then saved a proper beta for when it's beta quality. What do you think? It's an interesting one that I, I would say the technical preview actually indicates that it is an alpha. They will probably uh, put the beta label on at some point, or they may not. You know, Microsoft doesn't always use those. But if you look at what happened with desktop Windows 10, it's kind of much the same thing. And I think Microsoft would be criticised if they did release it, as you have done, and they would be criticised if they didn't release it. And so it's a no-win situation. Uh, perhaps you could clarify some of the language around it, but honestly, that's not going to stop a lot of people who are curious about it. And, you know, they did basically say, don't put this on your main device. You know, you will, it, it, it won't run, you know, smoothly or it's not idea. It's not production ready. But I think people tend to ignore those things, particularly uh, smartphone geeks. They like to live on the cutting edge. And so I, I absolutely understand the point you're making. And to a certain extent, uh, you know, I agree, but I can't think of any good way to restrict it or to make the labeling particularly clearer in order to kind of prevent the problem happening. And, you know, at what point does it become acceptable to make something like this available? And at what point do you get diminishing returns from releasing it earlier? And I've always thought they should have probably released things earlier. I thought this back in the Symbian days. Um, you know, one of the good things that Apple has always done is released iOS versions quite early on. And there's been three or four months or more in some cases before it's actually, you know, kind of made it out onto devices. And that gives a chance for a lot more testing to happen, a lot more feedback. And you know, it's always going to be the case. You open it up to a wider audience. You're going to find a few more bugs or situations where you've got some combination of factors that leads to something. Uh, and all feedback is, is good. I mean, it does make me wonder how they're going to manage all of that. If there's something like a million people trying this out, that's, you know, that's potentially a lot of, uh, bug reports and feedback to take on, particularly the manual feedback. So uh, I think on this occasion, I can't agree with you that, that they shouldn't have released or should have made it more restricted in some way. Um, but you can do something about humanity and their natural curiosity, perhaps. <laughs> I still think the biggest problem is that 99.9% .9 of people who download this, you know, enthusiasts like you and I, um, I mean, yes, we've, we've got an, an avenue of our, all about Windows Phone to, to vent our, any particular things we're concerned about. But the vast majority of people are just going to use it, think, okay, it's early, it's buggy, they might moan about it a little, but they won't actually feed back through official channels to Microsoft. And I think that was possibly my main concern. If everyone who downloaded it had also had a, a direct guaranteed channel that Microsoft would hear everything those people were saying, then fair enough. But uh, I still think things may well get lost in the mix. Um, well, yeah. Microsoft would say that's what the insider program is for, but I would suggest it wouldn't have hurt to have a, you know, a feedback portion of the insider app where you could go and write your, write your feedback and deliver it straight away from the phone. And on that very subject, Rafa, you had a premonition or you knew this fact. There is actually a Windows feedback utility um, built into this uh, technical preview. It's right, obviously, W near the end of the alphabet. It's right down the bottom of the app list. And I bet an awful lot of people won't even notice it. But it is there. And yes, you can search for feedback that's already been given. And, and in theory, you can add your own. So uh, maybe I stand corrected. Well, it remains to be seen exactly how many people take Microsoft up on this. We're expecting new builds of this technical preview to come roughly monthly. So I'm looking forward to what's in next month's um, build. Um, in terms of this build, I'm um, dubbed 9941 from the portion of the version number for Windows Phone. Um, 
we, we've gone over on the site that the things that are in there, things like the new Photos app, although that's not complete. There's a new rendering engine in Internet Explorer, although that's not complete. There's the start screen background image, the expandable action center, all that sort of stuff does actually work. And you can put a SIM card in a Windows 10 technical preview phone and you can use it, uh, use it day to day as a phone, but it may reboot. The th- some things look odd. Some things are missing. Uh, just I did a list in the article of all the things that were still missing. The big ones for me are probably Cortana Rave that only work in the USA right now with the technical preview, which is a real shame having had that dangled in front of us for two years to finally get it in the UK about three or four months ago and now to have it taken away if you're on the technical preview seems rather harsh. Also, there's a load of stuff uh, missing from messaging and it's clear that messaging is still very in the, much in the early stages. And of course, there's the, the new Outlook email uh, universal applications that's not available yet either so there's loads to happen on the messaging and uh, uh, whatsapp and skype front lots of stuff to happen there and just the general ui the the, the, the fonts the dialogues the panes the, the controls everything changes from screen to screen to screen it drives me absolutely potty but it's early days um, so any comments on that yeah i mean i would agree with you i want to say that it's kind of the framework of the operating systems that's complete and actually focusing on some of the the positive is you know there is the new start screen there there is the expandable quick actions which actually um, i really like and there's a new settings application that arranges things in a a much more logical manner and there's things like the voice dictation when it actually comes to the apps themselves most of them aren't present i mean you talk about some of them there there's also uh, things like office but actually i would say even the framework of the operating system isn't fully complete you know that you talked about messaging there, but there's also things like uh, Bluetooth or you know it, it's you know it is very much a technical preview. And if you use this and thought it was anywhere near release, it's going to become readily apparent that it's not. I mean, it's even things like uh, in the settings application, there's one kind of uh, switch for on and off, and then if you go into another application, you've got a, another type of UI, kind of the old-fashioned one. But that sometimes happens even within the settings application itself. And it's worth saying that Microsoft was at pains to say that this wasn't final UI and it's not clear which bits are final UI. I think there's been quite a lot of comment on things like burger menus appearing all over the place. And those are the, for those who <laughs> don't know, those are the kind of three stripey bars that appear and open up a menu. And they're quite controversial as to whether they're a good idea. They've been kind of disappearing a bit from the Apple world, but are very much a part of material design on, in the Android world. Um, Windows phones tended not to have them because we've had the three dots in the bottom right-hand corner to get at the menu. Um, and I think things like that may well change. And I wouldn't read too much into that at this point in time because, you know, they've done things in a, a standard way. And a lot of these are the universal apps, the ones that work across uh, both phone and PC, laptop and tablet. And I would have thought things like the customizations to the UI are something that will tend to happen later on. And the fact that there isn't sort of a wholesale change does make me think that um, we'll actually kind of see things return nearer to the overall UI look and feel of phone as it is now rather than anything else. I mean, things like the uh, layout of settings obviously aren't going to change in there. It looks like there's some new typography and certainly some new iconography in there, very much like all of that. And uh, the start screen, which I was sort of dead set against because I rather liked uh, having the background as it was now with the new style. Actually, yeah, I do kind of quite like that in the background, especially as you just get a, a glimpse of it as everything disappears off the screen when you open an app. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to like about Windows 10. But in this technical preview, um, you're not going to find a startling, massive array of changes. 
you're going to notice immediately the start screen. You may notice some of the things rendering differently in Internet Explorer. I noticed, for example, my webmail was serving up the desktop rather than the mobile version, for example. The photos, there's a, a beginning there, and it's interesting to see uh, the you know, option to include your OneDrive photos in that, and something we talked about in an earlier podcast and how that was going to be handled. So that's coming in. But there's obviously a lot to go, not just in the Photos application, but everywhere else. If I had to pick out a sort of a favorite feature, it's probably that some of the toast notifications uh, are now referred to or as interactive notifications. So you can do a quick reply to an incoming message and things like that. And, you know, I've used that obviously on other smartphone platforms and have liked that kind of capability. So great to see it on, on Windows Phone. The one that sort of has disappointed me the most, I guess, has been the uh, joystick on the keyboard. This was a, a way of kind of jumping between text that you'd entered in order to go back and correct something or insert another word it just didn't work terribly well for me when i tried it out it might be uh, kind of an artifact of the 635 screen and and i will say that probably uh, the 635 doesn't show this technical preview off as well as it would on a, a high-end device and certainly there's a certain amount of lag in this in places um less than i expected actually for a technical preview but uh all in all it's sort of uh, i'm glad i traded it tried it out but it's very much something that's going to live on a, a secondary device i'm not going to use this as my day-to-day device by any means it's um <laughs> i'm afraid it's too inconsistent there's too many things that will uh, just annoy me um and most of that's actually about the user interface and the consistency of i mean steve was all yeah. about fonts and yeah. menus there and actually it really is and it, it if anything this technical preview really makes me appreciate just how consistent windows phone is in its kind of UI and UX, um, you know, design and paradigms. And it, it's something you perhaps don't appreciate until it's taken away. And, uh, you know, I think Android and iOS, it, the same is, is true there, but I, I would sort of maintain that I think Windows Phone probably has the most consistent look and feel across all of its built-in and third-party apps. I'm sure some of the cynics out there will say that's because there's not very many third-party apps, but uh, even so, uh, I was sort of slightly horrified to be using Windows on a device and have it not feel kind of consistent and smooth and what I was used to. <laughs> well, we're, watch this space because obviously there'll be uh, builds coming up, regular intervals. I'm also running Windows 10 technical preview on a laptop, so that should be interesting seeing how those two work together, and I'll hopefully stay on top of all, that, all of that through 2015. Talking of not finished, um, I've been reviewing the Yes Billy 4, Rafe. <laughs> yes, you, 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 you sort of... You quite like the original Yes Billy, but you did hint on the podcast there that the uh, the four version perhaps wasn't quite so good. Yeah, it's not just a matter of the screen size either. You'd have thought if you th- there's a four point seven available and a four, both with Billy in front of them, you'd have thought well, they're just two different products aimed at two different market segments. But they kind of feel like they're from different eras. The the Billy Four came first. At least that's what it seems like in terms of the components. Uh, and then the 4.7 is better and more modern. And, of course, there is a 5S LTE, which is coming out very soon, and we are promised to review device. And that looks like another year year of improvement and a generation on. Um, in actual fact, there isn't that much time difference between the different devices, but there's certainly a big difference in the bill of materials. And they, they've really gone to town and throwing everything out with the bathwater with the Billy 4. Um, I don't know whether you saw, for example, the internals photo I showed you uh, with the back off. You can see every little bit of metal, every every aerial is there. It's really 
unfinished as if you wanted to build a prototype smartphone in your garage that's how it would end up looking at and that's not a compliment um the fact it's got a four gigabyte internal disk which is just a complete no-no this is 2015 every other windows phone there especially microsoft making great effort now to get everybody on an eight gigabyte internal so that they've got room to upgrade the operating system the camera you take you you tap okay it, it focuses and you, you tap on the thing you're taking a photograph of, and you have to wait, I think it's up to two seconds before the photo is taken. It's just, Ouch. I've never come across such a slow camera. And and there's no loudspeaker. You, you play a podcast or you play a, a YouTube video or a, a speakerphone, and it just cranks up the main earpiece, and it sounds like it's coming through a... Uh, well, it sounds like it's coming through an earpiece. It's incredibly tinny, incredibly quiet, and incredibly harsh. It's, 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 I cannot recommend, as I said in the review, the belief for at any price. You couldn't give it to me, and I, I wouldn't use it if you gave it to me as a free phone. <laughs> I wouldn't give it to anyone because it would just taint the Windows Phone platform for them. Um, I'm hoping that Yes have taken all of this on board. Certainly their PR people have been thanking me for covering the two devices. I'm hoping very much that the 5S LTE corrects a lot of what was wrong with the 4.7 and the 4. But it's interesting, interesting to try this uh, different hardware, Rafe. And any particular comments after seeing that uh, uh, train wreck of a review? Well, I actually thought it was a very reasonable review, and it kind of chimed with what I thought when I first saw the device, is that it did feel like it was uh, sort of the option one, two, or three, and you'd definitely go for the third option, having the experience of having it been developed a little bit longer. So it'll be interesting to see what you make of the kind of the 5S, the LTE version and the most up-to-date one, because I thought the build of that was the kind of the most impressive. I mean, the 4.7 was a, a big step up from the 4, and I have to admit, I didn't spend a lot of time looking or playing with the 4. So it's it, it sort of, I can't feel I can comment on it extensively, but it doesn't surprise me at all, the, the review. And it, it feels like, you know, something if you look at the other kind of devices that have this history and it, it really is the android world where we kind of ignored them for a, a year or two because they were just so badly put together and they were obviously cheap and nasty and at that point they were still you know, somewhat more expensive than they are now and it did develop over time and the same thing has happened of course in this case yes i mean while they haven't necessarily uh, just copied or changed the windows buttons in order to create a windows phone device here you you can be sure that a lot of the kind of the technology and how things fit together have just come across from the android device i mean this is what the the company does they actually have a a range of andy phones for android foxy for firefox and billy for windows phone (laughs) which um slightly cringeworthy but actually there's kind of a point to it that you know you this hardware has become so commoditized but the first time you do it you know you you come up with a bit of a stinker of a device in terms of hardware does just remind you that it's not quite as simple as you know getting things off the shelf and snapping snapping bit different components together you do actually have to think about it and there is some expertise in manufacturing um you know i think we've almost been spoiled by some of the mid-tier devices having really excellent build quality you know you think of things uh, for example, like the uh, 735 on the Lumia range, or even coming down, you know, to the the newer ones, the 535 and the 435, it takes a while to get that level of expertise. And you know, Motorola found the same thing with the Motorola G and E, really surprising us. And so there has is a new standard for these cheaper phones now. I mean, I'm sure you'll remember, Steve. It always used to be that you could tell you were using a cheap phone because it just wasn't that well put together and their limitations. Increasingly, you know 
you can look at the screen and go, yeah, that's a, a low quality screen. But with the device itself off, something like the 635, for example, it's very hard to sort of say, yeah, that's an obviously cheap device. When, you know, you compare it to something like the Lumia 710 of a few years back, or the 610 was a, another example of that. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's easy to criticize you, but in, and I'm glad you've done so in the review, and I don't have to sit here trying to defend the review <laughs> when everyone's saying it's a, a stinker of a device. But uh, it is, you know, yes actually stepped up provided the devices for review so they deserve a bit of credit for that and the the 4.7 as we mentioned in an earlier podcast is uh, a lot a, a better device and as i said i think the 5s be interesting to get your views on that having used the other two and how much of a, a leap forward that actually is in reality yeah what i'm looking forward to them is not only providing better hardware but also providing as you say better Better integration of the device as a whole. I mean, the thing that let the 4.7 down was the fact that they just hadn't put enough effort into customizing the fonts and the UI for the higher resolution screen. They basically taken the interface from the 4 and just uh, just plopped it straight on the electronics without any effort whatsoever to test it. And another classic example is the fact that in both devices, they, they quote it. So, oh, yes, it can capture 720p video. No, it can't. If you actually try both <laughs> devices, it's 480. Because what, of course, happens, um, the, the, the hardware inside can capture that. But the, the software drivers are just not up to the job. Nothing's been integrated properly. So when they actually tried it, it couldn't play back 720p video. Oh, well, well, let's just knock it down in the software and pretend it can only capture 480p and hope no one notices the spec difference. So it, it's just little things like that. I'm sure their game is going to improve. It's early days for Yes and Windows Phone. I think the 5S LTE is going to hopefully knock it out of the park and hopefully I'll be able to produce a pretty positive review. The other thing I'd say here is I don't necessarily think you can expect this expertise to be with all these small manufacturers in terms of this software integration. I think Microsoft bears a certain amount of responsibility here. You know, they've set up this reference design program, sort of easy access to all of this software. It's sort of on them to actually make sure that the integration can happen as well. You know, providing kind of the basic drivers isn't going to be enough. They do actually need to go a little bit further than that. And whether that's, you know, some kind of specific support program for the manufacturers involved and sort of saying you know we'll get it running smoothly for you a customized version of windows phone maybe that's what they need to do because i think it's you know perhaps unrealistic to expect you know loads of software engineering expertise to sit in all of these companies once you get to a certain volume i think it's fine and you know i think all of these companies have a certain amount of expertise in integrating android devices but given that windows phone is going to be a, a marginal concern for them at best the kind of the weight of responsibility has to shift more towards Microsoft. If they want this to work, they're going to have to work at it themselves. They can't expect it to just be, you know, download it off the website and hope everything works. Because otherwise, as you say, you come up with these rather weakly integrated products. And I think the yeah. video is a fantastic example of that. But I'm sure that would also apply to things like battery life and, and sort of more general performance. And, you know, you, you measure that against the cheap low end Lumia phones and quite Obviously, and not surprisingly, some of these uh, kind of smaller manufacturer devices are going to be found wanting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, moving on, uh, Windows Phone Rooms, which I think came out with Windows Phone 8 um, as a kind of a way to share calendar and notes and stuff with your family who are also using Windows Phones. Because, of course, anybody with a Windows Phone has every, everybody else in their entire family tree also has Windows Phones. <laughs> it was a nice idea, and some people in our comments have proved to be using it. But um, I think it's fair to say, Rafe, that probably only a small percentage of Windows Phone users actually used Rooms. And uh, Microsoft has decided, decided to phase it out ahead of Windows 10, and they been warning people actually for a while if you're going to play with the uh, windows 10 technical preview and 
um, aiming towards that version of the OS, then you're not going to be able to use Rooms when you get there. So like part of that, they've now sent out an email to, to people saying, well, if, um, we're phasing out Rooms as of next month, so save anything in the chat sessions you want, and here's where to find your, all your other stuff, which thankfully isn't too far away. It's in your calendar and it's in your OneDrive. But I'm uh, curious whether you and your family have been using Rooms. <laughs> we used it a little bit when it first came out, but after that it kind of fizzled away because all of that kind of chat and things like that moved into the third-party applications like WhatsApp, for example. And uh, there was never really a particular desire to have all of the elements of Room. So, you know, the things like shared calendar was great, but there were other ways of achieving that and similarly, you know, sharing messages. And uh, the advantage of using WhatsApp was, you know, you could include everyone in the family on it, even if they weren't using a Windows phone device. And in theory, Microsoft did originally talk about making this kind of functionality available to other platforms but that never really happened and so i'm not surprised it's fiddled out i'm sure they've looked at the user metrics and seen that not very many people are using it and consequently decided it's one of the things that can be cut i mean if you look at any of the releases there's clearly going to be things that you prioritize over others but it was interesting i've seen quite a few people commenting that they have been actively using these and it's actually one of the problems if you provide a service on a on a platform you know assuming you get past a few million users you're always going to get a small percentage of people using it i mean even if it's vanishingly small like say one percent of windows phone users end up using a room at some point in a, a serious manner you know that means there's you know potentially as many as three million four million users out there i think in reality it's probably a much lower fraction than that i think it's probably more like uh you know ten thousand a hundred thousand but uh, nonetheless, it's a, a, an important lesson. And you know, I think Microsoft has to be very careful, having uh, spent a lot of time kind of getting away from the negativity of things like 7.8 to 8 point north in terms of the software upgrade and other things that have disappeared. I mean, the kind of messaging, which is now coming back in uh, 10, actually springs to mind that kind of unified messaging model, which I think a lot of people liked. But it, it it just basically didn't get finished. And things like the FM radio was another one uh, when Windows Phone 8 came along. Uh, just a little bit of caution. In, in this particular instance, I don't think it's a big deal. And uh, I think, you know, third-party applications serve that utility very well. Um, just one thing, I would say it's the shared calendar, um, which isn't particularly easy to set up. There are, as I say, ways of doing it, either with uh, Google or with indeed with Outlook as well. Um, but one of the kind of the joys of rooms was it was incredibly easy to set up and use. But uh, yes, I suspect a combination of low use because there are third party apps available and the fact that most families, um, despite uh, your best intentions as a Windows phone user, uh, are not sort of universal across the family. Yeah, no, my my family have all got an iPhone. It's most disappointing. <laughs> I do wonder, Ray, actually, whether the part of the reason for the Windows 10 technical preview being released this early was partly to allay fears that, that Microsoft wasn't going to do another, you know, Windows Phone 7.8, not upgradable to Windows 8 fiasco. Now, you and I know that there were technical reasons under the hood why that you couldn't do that update. There were physical chip and chipset differences. Um, but there was certainly a perception that there had been this previous break in, in the product line, and they didn't want any rumors that uh, Windows Phone 8.1 devices will be left high and dry sticking around. So they purposely released it early, maybe, I contend, um, so that existing devices or some can be easily shown to be running the new OS and all those rumours and all those worries will just die away. Well, I think that's, you know, uh, certainly a good reason for doing it. I suspect people on things like the 520, which are, of course, on, in theory, lower spec devices, 
may may still be concerned but honestly if it can run on something like the 630 there's every reason to suppose it can run across all the windows phone eight devices um so i think kind of that concern has gone away i mean i'm sure there will still be some operators that end up blocking updates and things like that i I would worry for devices like the uh, t-mobile specific device the 810 springs to mind for example as a device that i would be surprised if it ends up running windows 10 at least through official channels i think there will be a way for people maybe to force the update i mean we've even seen that already that you can actually get windows 10 running on things like the 1520 and the 930 yes we're probably not meant to mention those too much out loud it's kind of i certainly wouldn't recommend it because i would be worried that you wouldn't then be able to roll it back or indeed get the next round of updates but um if you really want to risk it kind of (laughs) go ahead and I, i suspect there are ways of recovering even from from something like that um I've decided not to try because I'm quite content trying it out on the 630. Uh, but yes, you know, it's a, an interesting point. Um, certainly it's, it, it's a very good proof that you can run it. And actually it's, as I say, it's surprising to me that it runs as smoothly as it does at this stage in the game. But uh, I suppose that's partly reflecting the fact that an awful lot of the work in terms of under the hood was done with Windows Phone 8 and that kind of common core with the rest of Windows. And now it's sort of, making bits a bit further up the software stack if you like common with uh windows 10 for the pc and for the tablet so uh, interesting one that yeah yeah uh, now i said we had a, a listener letter addressed to you ray so i'll read it if that's right from steve norris tari who says recently i bought a lumia 925 upgrading from a 520 after having deliberated about the os for ages I'm very pleased with the Lumia 925. One of the phones I nearly bought was the 735, which obviously newer, for all sorts of reasons. But the deal breaker, so to speak, was that the 925 has the option of two columns of live tiles. While this has been removed from the 735, from reading around the internet, I can see that some people preferred three columns of live tiles. But I'm a great believer in choice and didn't go for the 735 because I think the two column live tile setup helps to give Windows Phone its distinctive iconic look. Um, I thought it might be a size thing with only the smaller Lumias continuing to offer the two-column live tile feature, but found that the 625 at 4.7 inches still offers the two-column setup. I wonder whether you know why the two-column feature was removed with the 735 and also for the 830. I think it's rarely a good idea, says Steve Norris Torrey, to remove a feature when you're bringing out a new phone if you don't have to remove it. Remove it. Was this feature removed for a technical reason, perhaps? Do you know? And thanks to you and Steve for the great shows. Yes, that's uh, an excellent question, as I, I desperately try and make more time to think up the answer. Um, I have to admit, I hadn't noticed this until we got the email through having kind of not used the 735 for a, a long period. And actually, I always preferred to have it in three uh, columns anyway. I just like to be able to get plenty on the screen. Um, I don't think there's a technical limitation that I can think of as far as I'm aware, um, because obviously there are, you know, other devices that do have the the two column one reason i could perhaps suggest here is down to the actual screen resolution so if you think of something like the uh, 625 or indeed the 635 they're kind of that 480 by 800 or it's kind of the 480p screen resolution and then for the 735 it's actually moving up to the 720p level so it may well be that for that resolution microsoft kind of hasn't done the necessary work to support just having two columns but i i can't give a, a definitive answer um the only thing i'd say is that i would actually try it out three columns because i find it works better than two columns that's probably not really the answer that you're looking for steve but thank you for the question because it's a good one 
Um, and I'd agree, it's never a good idea to remove these features. And I think particularly on these personalization ones, there's relatively little that you can do to personalize the devices as it is. You know, it's kind of the start screen background. And obviously you can move the tiles around as you like. But compared to the older phones where, you know, there was actually the concept of themes and being able to do an awful lot of different things with it, I think modern phones in general don't have enough personalization on them. So absolutely agree about not removing features. And we've already alluded to that kind of earlier in the podcast with, uh, you know, things like rooms and also the FM radio. So uh, excellent question. So as far as I know, there is no technical reason. It perhaps could be about screen resolution. Um, it's probably not an entirely satisfactory answer. I don't know if uh, uh, my Steve has anything to add to that answer. Well, I would say that if the question is, could the Lumia 735 and 830 have a two-column mode in their settings? Um, absolutely. There is. Yes. I think there is absolutely no technical reason why. I just think that Microsoft hasn't coded it for those particular devices. And obviously, with the OS going forward into higher resolutions, larger screens, I suspect they're not going to afford the manpower to go back and, and code that and make sure it works. And we said earlier with the Yes Billy, didn't we, Rafe, that it's uh, it, <laughs> they were found wanting in terms of integrating the, the, the OS and the interface with the physical size and resolution of the screen. And obviously, Microsoft has thought about it for these new devices and has decided, well, three columns works best for us. We think this is what customers are going to want. I guess if they had enough outcry, you know, millions of people saying we want two columns, they might go back and do it. But um, luckily, Steve Norristori has found the, um, the 95 still works very, very well in two-column mode. And it's uh, and they're not both 920, the 95, and indeed the 1020, Rafe. I, I would say they're all classic smartphones. They're all now second-hand between <laughs> under £100 in some cases, the 920 second-hand. Um, and certainly new, you can pick these things up for, for £200 or less. And with the Windows Phone 8.1, Lumia, Denim, and... Windows 10 to come, <laughs> cracking, cracking value, even compared to the uh, the newer devices, I'd, I'd argue. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think the 925 is probably my favourite of the ostensibly high-end phones. Um, there is something like the 1520, which actually is a really nice device as well. But if we're thinking about that 9 series, I would um, prefer it over the 930 for a number of reasons. Um, and, you know, the 830, I think I've said before, is my preferred high-end device, even though it's not really high-end. But yes, I don't think there's a, a technical reason. The the only thing I can as I say, think of is the resolution. If you think when you've got it in that uh, high resolution, 720p, if you're thinking of double wide tile, that means the assets for that tile need to be that much bigger. And it may be that it doesn't look very beautiful when it's put into two column mode. You know, you could see kind of obvious blockiness to the icons or the edges or something like that. And they just decided, right, well, we're not going to do it because we can't spend the time we need to to optimize it and make it look beautiful. Um, and obviously on the bigger screen devices, I think I suspect the tendency is for people to go towards three column of live tiles. Um, I mean, it's interesting if I look at the phones, I used to got them set up in various ways. Um, I don't make very much use of the smallest live tile size anymore on, on three column devices, but I do um, make more use of the double wide tile size. So it's, a, it's an interesting one. I probably get more information onto the the screen not just because there's that extra third column and actually that's kind of lost by the fact i'm using more double wide tiles but obviously those uh, double wide tiles do have kind of extra information on them so it's worth experimenting with those and it's you know actually just translating straight from two to three doesn't make a lot of sense you actually need to go back and adjust all the live tile sizes but uh, thank you for that listener question um if anyone's got their own question they want to submit they can uh, reach out to me at rafe at allaboutwindowsphone.com they can also get steve uh, see what's the best email address for them to get you on these days. 
Oh, probably slitchfield at gmail.com, but I'm also on Twitter fairly prominently as well, so I'm sure they can get in touch with me by some means. Absolutely. And if you want to record an audio file, maybe we can include you yeah. in the podcast too. Uh, yeah. But, you know, yes, great question. So thanks very much for that, Steve. Yeah, and um, we should finish just very briefly by saying that uh, we're very nearly on Mobile World Congress, which I believe is in about uh, 12 or 13 days' time, Rafe. Now, you will be there, I gather. Um, I, whether we get another podcast in before that is 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 debatable. I hope to hope to. Maybe we can have spend the next podcast just a couple of days before previewing what we expect. But uh, anything you'd like to say at the stage? Well, it, it's interesting. There haven't been very many rumours around Windows Phone, but I think there's going to be a lot of excitement around Windows 10 for phones because it will be one of the first public events that isn't Microsoft-specific where it's been shown off. And actually, even the Microsoft event, it was relatively low-key, the, the Windows 10 for phones thing. Uh, for example, at MWC, they're holding a developer event where they're going to talk in more detail about the universal apps that are shared between uh, Windows 10 for kind of PCs, laptops and tablets and Windows 10 for phones. Uh, I suspect we might also see a device or two. Uh, as we've said before on the podcast, we're not really expecting anything from the high end, but uh, absolutely I think there could be a, an updated version of the 1320, for example. I mean, whether that's called the 1330 or something else. And, you know, Microsoft has been showing off new low-end devices, so opportunity to see the 435 in person. It wouldn't surprise me if you know something else pops out, some some variant in, in that space. So be worth keeping an eye on. And there's al- always a chance that we'll see, you know, some other manufacturer uh, either get back into Windows Phone, and certainly I expect to see some of the uh, third-tier manufacturers showing off their wares at uh, MWC. So uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, because Windows 10 for phones is a little bit further away, I'm not really expecting any big surprise announcements. I mean, there was talk at one point about Sony getting back into Windows Phone, but given that uh, Sony itself is going through a bit of uh, soul-searching with its phone division, I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. And I think uh, someone like Samsung, who uh, I think everyone's anticipating them announcing the S6, wouldn't want to take anything away from that if a Windows Phone device appears. It will be much more quietly, and you'll probably be nearer the kind of consumer launch of Windows 10 for phones. I would say something similar about uh, HTC, um, and you know, there's been rumours around Lenovo and LG. Again, not really expecting anything from them, but we we, we could still be surprised. Um, I think increasingly, actually, one of the things about MWC that people may not appreciate from the outside, it's become less about the big phone announcements. Don't get me wrong, they still happen, or rather, they happen the day before. It's going to be a bit of a car crash, I think. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Huawei are going to be announcing tablets and watches. HTC is going to be holding a press conference. Samsung's holding a press conference. We're expecting stuff from LG as well and potentially Novo too. So I think there's five or six press conferences happening on the Sunday. Then Microsoft is having one on the Monday morning, relatively short one. And then there's a few other companies, things like uh, Genomo and Panasonic having some, some of which are phone related, some of which are accessories or machine to machine relief related so uh that's gonna say the big thing is actually it's not just about phones it's about all the wearables and smart home things and much as i mentioned for kind of ces and ifa last year it does feel like these uh conferences these industry events are becoming broader as it becomes just you know it's always been about the apps and the software but that's got even more true and the services that support that and all the business side one of the things i always like about um 
at MWCs, you do get kind of the operator take as well, because it's obviously an event set up by their industry body and you do get to see things about networks. And so there's always been the kind of next generation stuff, but there'll be a bit of a push on 5G this year. Kind of caught my attention that Ericsson, for example, has just uh, kind of announced their latest set of uh, basically cell station, cell cellular radio products. Um, at the moment, they're not related to, to 5G, so slightly uh, misconnected link there, but they are sort of producing the products that you can basically take whichever component, whichever bit you want for the appropriate size of cell that you're creating. And that's starting to move towards things like heterogeneous networks, which means you're mixing big and small cells, which will go a long way to solving some of the network bottlenecks that are going to come along in the next few years as people are consuming more and more data on their phones. That's a whole nother issue, and I don't want to get that into that in detail. But we might try and do a little bit of uh, previewing of MWC next week, and I suspect we'll also be re- revisiting uh, uh, Windows 10 for phones. And there's uh, been a, some other bits and pieces of news, new software coming out, which we should also touch on. And C's been playing around with the Lumia camera again, surprisingly enough, which <laughs> we've managed to not mention in this podcast, but maybe next time around, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I, I, every time I do an imaging piece, I, I get somebody in the comments saying, oh, no, this should be all about Windows phone cameras. And I, I do try and ration it. I've actually got four or five imaging pieces uh, queued up now, and I'm determined to ration it and just issue one a week. Otherwise, I will get shouted out again. But there's plenty more in that pipeline, as you can imagine. Um, plenty more podcasting as well. Catch us next week, hopefully. If by any reason we don't do a podcast, then you may well get one on the hoof at MWC, depending on bandwidth. So uh, anything could happen in the next 10 days. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from me.